As always, before I get started on this special COVID edition, another COVID edition, because we just had a COVID edition. Yeah, this is another COVID edition. I got to tell you about Talk Mobile. Talk Mobile is an innovator in retail and works with organizations like T-Mobile to operate stores throughout Arizona, Oklahoma, Kansas, Louisiana. All of us are probably locked down and hoarding shit. Actually, I found some stuff. I'll tell you more about it in a second. However, for more information and jumpstart your career, please visit TalkMobileNet.com. Again, that's TalkMobileNet.com. Back to the Hard Parking Podcast. Today's date is March 26, 2020. Everybody is still staying at home here in Arizona, which is where I'm at now. My home studio, which isn't really a studio, it's just a room. We can still go out. We can still do stuff, but we're encouraged to at least keep our distance and make good decisions. So I actually used that Nextdoor app we talked about in the last episode. And through that Nextdoor app, I found everything I needed. Found the toilet paper, found the beans, found the rice, found pretty much anything I wanted. But it wasn't just the app. Stores are stocking, restocking on a regular basis. You just have to get up and get there early. Usually you don't have to stand in line. Winco, Costco, all those places still have lines in them. I have membership to Costco. I have no plans on going to Costco anytime soon. Because I can just go down the street to my local grocery store in the morning. I can go down to a Walmart a couple miles away and get everything I need. So for those of you out here that are listening to this, if you wait till you get off of work, if you're able to go to work, Probably not going to get what you need, but it's just a matter of time. Everything is coming together. I don't know if things are going to get better or things are going to get worse. But what I do know is the grocery stores are restocking. I think at least for now, people have realized they don't need to hoard. Plenty of toilet paper out there. In a little bit, we're going to be joined by Johnny Valencia of Cure One Agency, formerly of Michelin. The purpose of that conversation is we're going to talk about sponsorships and what it's like from the company's aspect of sponsorships. Because typically it's like, okay, well, I got something, whether I have a new podcast and I want somebody, a, a company to hook me up with some expensive podcast equipment, or I want to get new car parts. I want these cool tires, no matter what I'm in. If you're out there and you're doing makeup and you want top of the line makeup companies to sponsor you, we're going to talk about some of the basic things that you need to really do for them to take you serious. So we'll be joined by Johnny Valencia in a little bit. I'm stuck at home in a sense. So we have the absence of Jay's rental car of the week, but I will tell you that I did have a loaner vehicle from the dealership. I want to get an oil change in my daily, my infinity. And there's this thing they do. Like we all know the dealerships. Sometimes they try to screw you over. and Sometimes they're honest, but I did tell you, and Eric told you a couple episodes ago, if you're going to get your oil change, either do it yourself or take it to a certified dealer to do it. So the other day I got online and I, I got onto their website, this Infinity dealer, and I picked the package of the oil change. I said, I just want a basic oil change, 70 bucks. They had a medium tier. There's like 105 and then like this special one. There's like 130. I started looking at it. I'm like, okay, they all have the same things that I need. Then they have a few extra things that I know I don't need. So I'm going to pick the basic one. And I also said, give me a rental car. Go in, go to drop my car off. And I'm standing there with the service manager. So he pulls up, he does this condition report on the car. So he walks around the car and whatever, pulls out his iPad. And he's like, okay, well, we got you signed up for the package. And he, he was pointing at the medium package, the $102 one or whatever. And I go, no, 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 I want the $72 package. I want that one. Oh, okay. Well, last time you were here, we had a bunch of things that they recommended that you got, you take care of. Did you want to take care of those today? No, I do not. Okay. I said, oh, and I also need a rental car. Okay, fine. He goes, go, go wait in the lobby. And we'll bring you your rental car in just a few minutes. So I'm standing around in the lobby back and forth. It's like 10, 12 minutes. I'm like, there's nobody else in the waiting room but me because everybody's scared to go out. Where the hell's my car? I put one I reserved that I wanted a rental car. They should have had a rental car ready for me after I gave my proof of insurance and my driver's license. I'm looking over my service guy and he's over there just pecking away at the keyboard. 20 words a minute. A few minutes later, call me over there. I get the keys to the rental car and that's what I'm going to review Sort of, kind of, but not really. So they gave me a 2020 Infiniti QX60, which is a crossover seven-passenger vehicle. So according to, so this thing is like $45,000. 300 horsepower, $45,000 crossover SUV seat seven. It reminded me a lot of the Infiniti that I have right now, which is a 2007. And looking around, their infotainment center. So if you guys, if this is your first time listening to the show, you know that I review cars every once in a while. I complain about a lot of silly shit. Their infotainment center was terrible. They had a CD player. Like, I didn't. I don't even know. Cars have CD players in them, like new models. Apparently, they do because this one does. 
and they had the, the old tangible buttons, you know, kind of analog looking. And the CD player is presented as almost like, wow, you have a luxury vehicle. We want you to know that you have a CD player. Like, I don't think people listen to CDs anymore. If you listen to CDs when you're listening to this, don't get offended. Chances are you're not driving a 2020 vehicle with a CD player in it. Mine has a CD player in it because it's a 2007. But the screen that tells me that I'm listening to Bluetooth audio, it looks antiquated. It looks like something I would have had in my vehicle like 2003. It's just, just the look and the feel and the ride did not feel like a brand new vehicle. This one did have a USB-C port, a USB port for charge only. And then, of course, underneath, it had two USB ports. So this thing is equipped for road trips. So it's got that going, but the ride quality was nothing impressive. It didn't even have a sport mode. I know, okay, all right, so it's a crossover SUV. Almost every vehicle I know or every vehicle I rent that's halfway decent has at least a sport mode so the driver can feel like they're doing something. But let me tell you about my experience there. Again, I just want an oil change. I get an email or I get a text message and I go to check it. And they walk around and they said, your car has a lot of things that we consider critical and you need to take care of it now. Brake fluid, I know. Drive belts, it squeaks. It squeaked for the last three and a half years when I changed the belt myself because I don't know what I'm doing. But it's not going to bust anytime soon, obviously. Engine air filter, okay, I could do that. In cabin micro filter, I could do that. Power steering fluid, I'll take it somewhere else to get done. Wiper blades and my hood stays, you know, the little arm thingies. When you open your hood, if you don't have a hood prop, those are blown too. So the hood stays, the wiper blades, the in-cabin microfilter, and the engine air filter are all things I could do myself. I can go to the store and buy most of that shit. The little hydraulic thingies for the hood, I'd order that online. So I went and looked this up. And this is what you got to be afraid of because I know some of you, if they tell you you need the stuff, you say just do it. But you need to always check your prices because I'm just going to call them hood thingies. They have a proper name. They call them hood stays. I don't think they're called hood stays. They wanted to charge $387 to change that. I looked up up online, $12 a piece. Like, get the hell out of here. I'll figure it out for $12 a piece. Wiper blades, $65. You can go to Walmart. You can go to your local auto parts store, and you can buy those starting at $9.99. If you want the really nice ones, they're going to be like $40 bucks for a pair. You can decide what you want to put. You want to put the cheap ones on there? Put the cheap ones on there, $20 bucks a pair. Easy as hell. The engineer filter, they wanted to charge me 60 bucks. I know that's like a $13 to $15 item. I do it myself. And the in-cabin one, I'm going to tell you this. It's like underneath the dash on the passenger side. That thing's a pain in the ass. I've done it before. I'm not paying $170 for it, though. I'll do it my damn self. I added up those simple things that I know I could do, but I haven't done because I've been lazy as hell. They wanted to charge me $682.04 to do that. So obviously I went down, declined, 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 laughed a little bit, declined, declined. So not only did you want to charge me out the wazoo for an oil change, but you gave me a piece of shit rental car. Stay away from the Infiniti QX60. Unless you're absolutely, there's a ton of other vehicles you can get in that price range. 45000 you get a used, much better car. You get a nice Audi Q7 that's only a couple of years old for less than that. A superior vehicle with all the creature comforts and everything you need. Car's a piece of crap, in a sense. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Johnny Valencia of Gear One Agency. As I mentioned earlier, we're now joined by Johnny Valencia of Gear One Agency, formerly the influencer and events program manager over at Michelin, where he'd worked for 17 years. Johnny, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. Been looking forward to uh, chatting with you for a while. This is a pretty cool podcast so far that you've got going on. So if you would, could you please give our listeners kind of a high-level overview of what you did at Michelin, and then afterwards we'll talk about uh, Gear One Agency, and we'll get to some Q&A and have a little bit of fun. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, I'm just hanging out, and I like cars. That's that's always my intro. <laughs> so, yeah, Gear One Agency, you've been um, going about that, started that company over a year ago now. And before that, um, where probably a lot of my connections and relationships were built, were... Um, my 17 years working at Michelin uh, USA. So did all kind of different things while there. But um, yeah, the, the fun part, which was like my biggest goal while I was there was to get that role that I was in before I left because it allowed me to do what I love to do 
24-7. And that was being engaged with cars, people, brands, companies, builders like yourself, uh, you know, a lot of different things. So there, there was a lot that went along with it, but um, I pretty much established, you know, myself and met a lot of awesome people. Thank you for that introduction, Johnny. So what I've been telling everybody is that from your perspective, so if they go back and listen to episode three, Brando and I talked about how to go about getting sponsorships and getting attention as a consumer level, I guess, or an end user as we use in IT out to high end corporations, places like we used to work. I think what's really exceptional about having you on this call is you are the guy, you're the one who would see these applications come in. Sometimes you would just see a random note. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm looking for some free whatever. Hook me up with some stickers. And I'll give you a shout out. And sometimes you might even see a really well-written proposal. So kind of let us know kind of how that whole process worked. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the one thing is, is, uh, you know, you become everybody's best friend, <laughs> to, to be honest. The cool part is, is that, you know, what I had to do is sift through, you know, all of these numerous requests that would come in and try to understand who this person is. How will I be benefiting them was a question that I always brought up close to the top outside of just thinking about, you know, my brand and my company. Um, understanding, you know, what am I going to get and what are they going to get collectively from sponsorship, whether it's tires or multiple sets of tires or um, using a car for an event or those types of things. So the main thing was getting a lot of them out of the way. You know, hello, I love your tires. I will put your sticker on my car. I go to car shows and parking lots, blah, right. blah, blah. You know, that's, I'm sorry, you know. There, there, there's nothing. It doesn't seem to mean much. No, 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 it doesn't. And it also shows me that, you know, they really haven't put a lot of time and effort um, into showing that they're going to do some work. Um, you know, there's work to be done on both ends. Um, what I would do is if I did see one that was somewhat interesting, whether it was uh, upper, like an actual two or three or four page proposal that had a breakdown of who they are, what they've done in the past, what they're looking at doing in the future, who they've already partnered with, who's already sponsoring them, uh, links to, you know, things like articles or their social media, those kind of things. Those are the ones that I would actually take time and, and take a look at and see what's going on. So, you know, I would totally go ahead and jump in and dive in and do the whole detective work on everyone. You know, I'm Googling your name, Googling everything <laughs> about you, digging deep, looking to see what I can find about you. I'm glad I have a VPN uh, in a private browser, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm digging for everything and anything that I can find. And then on top of that, if you get through that vetted process, then I would start asking people in the industry, you know, privately. You know, I'd shoot them a text. I'm like, hey, do you know anything about this guy? Hey, have you done anything with this person? Hey, has this person reached out to you? Uh, just to get some feedback. So um, this is something that would you know, go over the course of a few days. This isn't like a little 10, 15 minute kind of thing. Um, and then from there, Jay, what I would do is look at what my goals were. So um, let, can we use you as an example? I mean, sure. As long as it's a good one. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It is. Okay. So for example, you know, you reached out to me about supporting either your, your build or an event that you're very close to those types of things. And you know, to me, that is a lot of the, you know, high-end NSX, Japanese, Honda Acura, you know, community. So I had in my files, my basically my goals, uh, you know, while in my role of wanting to get into all of these different markets in certain ways. So if I pull up my files and I look, I'm like, hey, who else do I have dabbling around with my products in that field? And, you know, I wanted some good balance. A lot of that had to do, um, and you know, you and I talked about this, a lot of it had to do with number one, do I even make the product to go on your car? Right. right. That's a big thing. And yeah, do I even make the product to go on your car? And then do I even uh, make enough of that product? Is there enough volume out there for that uh, to invest highly on my end, you know, to you? You know, what is, uh, how big are these events? When are they scheduled? Are they going to interfere with other things that I have going on? Do I have something else that I'm waiting on? you know, later on that hopefully will come to fruition to where I should hold back on this. So a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things, but the one that was the most important, not just let's say you or whoever sent the proposal in, but who is looking at and listening and following them because 
you know, doing something with you is more about your audience than, than you. And I, I just don't yeah. think a lot of people realize that, you know, they're like, Oh, I've got this and I've got that and my car, this and my car, that, uh, or I'm going to this event, I'm going to that event. Yeah. But you know, you will now become a credible voice representing my brand to your audience. So 100%. if your audience, yeah. So if your audience is 12 year old kids, there's no value to me. Yeah. And honestly, you know, it doesn't I, mean anything to a corporation. Yeah. Like specifically what we're talking about. Yeah, 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 of course. And the thing is, um, you know, Michelin is a premium brand. Michelin is a, uh, a product that, you know, you are paying a premium for. So, uh, you know, there's a clientele, uh, a customer base that goes after that. So, um, you know, if, if 75% of your audience is, you know, 12 year old kids in their basements, um, uh, trolling away, then, I don't really see them as a potential buyer that can be converted by, you know, me giving you a set of tires so you can do a video on. on right. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. And I know there's tire companies that are out there that are like that and it's easier to get in. And so for me not to pick on a tire company, cause there's a lot of really good ones out there. When I'm at a car show, a lot of people, I look around and most people, the expectation is to see like Toyo or something on an import. And they're not used to seeing our JDM. They're not really used to seeing Michelin. So for me, it feels better to know I have the best I can actually get for my car. Not to say there's anything wrong with Toyo. Yeah. And it's not to say that one is above the other. It's really about is what is their marketing intent? So I always felt that Michelin really didn't need any help with awareness. I don't need stickers on cars. I don't need my banner at a show. You know, I, I, I need something that's deeper and richer than that. So, um, that's what I would go after is, you know, where, where can I get a meaningful relationship uh, to be able to begin with someone or some team or group brand or company or museum or track or whatever it is and say, hey, what, what can we do that's unique and different that will boost you, which in turn, them being boosted or you being boosted will boost brand. I think when a lot of other companies maybe get these proposals and I really wouldn't know for sure, but I don't think they would really dig in as deeply as you did. I think that's what makes the relationship aspect, you know, the relationship aspect is a little different. I have a lot of really good relationships with a lot of people that have become, you know, you know, like over at HRE, we were once talking about, and he said, you know, it's not really a sponsorship. It's more of a partnership. And so what happens is you build relationships and partnerships with the people who are helping you help them and also helping you. Like as far as a partnership and a friendship, I always felt you treated me like I was just as important as your top tier corporate clients. I mean, sure, I have an NSX, but when I when I watch all the stuff that you guys do and all the events that you do, all the BMW stuff, you're flying over to the other side of the world and you're front and center in front of all that stuff. I mean, you're rolling with people who drive million dollar vehicles. You're getting to go to these, these really cool parties and then you're always just you. Every time I've ran into you, you've always just been you and you've been appreciative of just having a normal person like me there to talk to. And then I always felt like, wow, I'm excited to be a part of something like Michelin. I want to make sure I do everything that I can to represent that brand well, even when I'm not in my car. And I really think it's because of your personality and your way to approach from a pure customer service level servant to anyone and everyone that your company supports is what really made the difference. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, that was my approach. Um, I think probably, Jay, one of the things that helped me be that way was that, you know, I've been on the opposite side too. Um, I'm not a corporate desk guy. Um, you know, I, I live this life that I was working in uh, and still do, obviously. Uh, I love toying around with cars and modding cars and building show cars. And so I've been on the other side looking for sponsors and looking on how to acquire sponsors. And the same thing, you know, I grew up extremely blue collar and uh, appreciated everything that I got, uh, if I worked hard for something, you know, I appreciated that. And anyone who was involved, I appreciated them. So in the past, before work life, you know, getting sponsors for cars, I've, I had some, and, you know, I always wanted to make sure I did my part. And I remember the traits that the, the reps of those companies had with me and, you know, what worked and what didn't work. And that was really the approach. And, and I agree. Um, you, you brought up HR and that was, that was a, a partnership that I built while I had Michelin with them. That was 
just amazing. I never had that approach of, and, and you know this too, yeah. I didn't have that approach of, all right, I'm going to give you a set of, of four tires. I need you to give me one Instagram post every two weeks, tag this, say that. Um, I need you to mention my name in this. Uh, do not do this. Do not. I, I didn't do that, man. Right. I didn't do that. I was going to say probably for 95 or percent or higher. Unless I had like a specific uh, campaign or something. The reason I vet people is because I want you to be you. The whole reason people listen to you and watch you and follow you is because you're you, right? So um, I, I don't want to turn you into an editorial. I don't want to turn you into a billboard because that's not authentic. It's not genuine. And guess what? It doesn't work. So um, the relationship is huge. I wanted you to be able to have a go-to person anytime. So whether that's email, phone call, text, Instagram, DM, Facebook, private message. I don't care, dude. Hit me up. And, you know, I'm your guy. And, you know, I, I made sure to always respond, talk about what's going on. And, and yeah, I mean, it, it's a relationship. Just because it's business doesn't mean that you change the relationship rules. That's the way it works. That's a key point to make. And I think the way we got hooked up was through relationships and networking. I think there's two different approaches for people who use the word networking. For the people in the corporate world, they're thinking that it's another contact, another sale, someone that I could find through these these conferences, what kind of future employers could I get? But I think in the automotive world, it's like networking is about building relationships organically because you never know when knowing somebody can help you know someone else who can help make an introduction. A lot of times it is about who you know, but it's also if you're a good person and they believe in you, it's going to help open the doors to other things. And while everybody knows the Michelin brand, the relationship that you and I started with way before we knew we were even going to do anything was with that Michelin Apex forum, yeah. which was a oh, yeah. private closed forum for customers or the automotive community. And it just kind of grew from there. Yep. A little bit after that, you know, owning an NSX and the NSX world is really small, started a relationship with Jubal over at Clarion, who's no longer there. And I would see him at Bear Jackson. We'd talk, he'd come to the NS Expo events and we build a national relationship. And he told me, cause I would ask for stuff like, Hey, when can you guys hook me up with the radio? And he goes, Hey, come back with this amount of followers, this amount of engagement, show me you're doing something big. And I'll talk to somebody. I knew I had to do a lot to show that my build and my efforts were worth a major corporation's time. Like I wanted to be, I wanted to prove that I deserved an opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, to, to even continue, you know, the spider web is I then hit up Clarion doing something Michelin slash Clarion. And then Michelin and Clarion, we started doing things together because of knowing other people that we both mutually had partnerships or relationships or sponsorships with. And I saw the amazing benefit of what they were doing. And I'm like, hey, I want to be a part of that. Let me brainstorm with these guys and see what we can do. And that ended up being a pretty awesome um, collabo that we did with them too. Yeah, I found that if you help connect people, it's eventually going to come back to you. And someone is going to do you a solid and help connect you somewhere else down the road. So going back to what you did your last few years at Michelin, what are some of the worst type of submissions you would see? Because like I said earlier, you know, people, they don't really understand how it works. Usually that's the problem. It's not that they're just being arrogant. They just don't know how the process works. So they're going to reach out and just ask for free shit without knowing that, hey, maybe I need to do better. Maybe I need to present better. Maybe I need to be seen more. And even if they don't have much to offer yet, you know, what do you tell what do you tell someone who would just open up maybe an Instagram account? Because, you know, like you and I know that we've watched social media and, and engagements and how things are viewed differently just in the past five years. Like if I hit you up and I have 30,000 followers, you know, it used to mean a lot more than it means now. Because now everybody knows that you can go out and you can buy followers. You can do follow for follow. That's not true. It doesn't really mean anything. But if I have five followers and I hit you up, but I don't have a lot of things going on right now, what happens then? Yeah, yeah. You brought up a really good point is to um, not underestimate. Uh, I mean, you, you also said this earlier. It's like, to be honest, I don't know how many other brands are going this deep into, uh, you know, connecting with uh, potential um you know, sponsoring out or influencers or brand ambassadors and those things as much as, you know, what me and my team did uh, in there. And you're right. I mean, things like as simple as, oh, I have $30,000, but then I look at your last 60 days and you have a 0 0.0003 engagement rate because, you know, they're all 
fake followers and you have no engagement, you have, you know, no one that really gives a crap about what you're, what you're posting about. Or Um, a follow for follow thread. Or follow for follow. Or, you know, even before I left, um, you know, the whole, um, you know, comments was even going on. So that made my job a little bit tougher to, you know, tap on who's commenting and you see that they have all one post um, and, you know, it's, it's fake comments as well. So that was, that was a big piece is homework. Um, depending on, again, who it is that you're trying to go after for sponsorship, don't think that they're not big and take a look at things if you're truly not being genuine and, and being truthful about what your account is. Um, the next thing I would say is there, there has to be a connection. Okay, there, there, there has to be a connection. Number one, or not number one, but in this part, hopefully you've done your homework on the brand. You know, number one, I, I mean, this was this was funny. I, I would get sponsorship requests from people who um, would send me their tire size, and and I'm like, we don't we don't even make that any research about who we are, what we do, those kind of things. Another one um, would be, um, I guess I don't want to jump ahead, but you know, you, you, you do ahead. have, yeah, it's going to be not going to be one where I get where someone is saying, hey. I'd love for you guys to be a part of, you know, what I do, my videos and all that kind of stuff. And then say, um, you know, tell me that it's going to cost me 200 grand. (laughs) So I'm like, um, okay, this high dollar amount has me curious as to why I'm needing to pay you, but I want to hear more. So, you know, you hear more and do your digging and all that. And, and, and again, goes, a lot of it goes back to what I talked about before is, if it doesn't match up with what my company's goals are either immediately or for that year or for the long haul, then, you know, I don't care if you have 1.5 million subscribers. It's, I'm sorry, you know, it doesn't match up. It doesn't make sense. You know, it would be like you connecting with an off-road brand. True connection there? Um, No, not really. So um, how about I just tell you about what one of the best submissions were and then, you know, that'll help a lot with what not to do. And again, we're talking to Johnny Valencia of Gear One Agency, talking about what it's like to be on the other side of sponsorship proposals. Yep, appreciate it. <clears throat> so um, at the end of the day, how are you going to help me meet my goals? Um, how can you help me make my life easier so that I can help you out more? And then what's it going to look like when we when we get started? So one time I received a sponsorship proposal from a guy sent it in. I'd never spoken to this person ever had no idea who they were. And it was like four pages, PDF, photos, links. Here's who I am. Here's a photo of my car. Here's what I've been doing here. They gave me social media analytics as far as followers, growth, reach, engagement, things that they've done in the past, uh, magazines and uh, publications they've been a part of in the past, um, online, you know, interviews, events, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then they also gave me what they felt I would get as far as a company by working with them. And dude, I'll tell you, it was, everything was laid out. Like I had no questions except what's your tire size? I'm going to send you four tires. And then from there, you know, it made things very easy being able to, like, you know, Jay, you said earlier that, you know, you, you kind of felt like you had a responsibility to do good, you know, working with Michelin just yeah. because of the background and the history and everything they're doing. And that's what it was like. It was, it was almost like this guy almost wanted to be like part of the Michelin team and let us use his vehicle and his platforms to be able to promote our story. And it was probably one of the more fruitful relationships that that I had that ended up growing into something much larger. Um, you know, I ended up using their car for events for a couple of weeks. I would ship their car back and forth across the country. That's amazing. So that I could use it. I don't remember we, you shipping my car anywhere, but continue. <laughs> <laughs> we, you know, I, I, I used their car in professional photography to create banners for events. Um, it was just such a fruitful relationship um, that that's how it turns into, hey, dude, Whenever you need something, just let me know. It's like, hey, my wife's car needs tires. I'm like, all right, well, what's the size? I'll send them over your way, you know, kind of thing. Again, going back to the relationship thing, it, it works out. And then not only that, but 
uh, let's go back a little bit like we talked about with uh, Clarion, where, hey, if, if I had another partner that I was partnering with, uh, let's say, okay, HRE, say, hey, HRE, you might want to check this guy out. I'm doing all this stuff with him. Why don't you want to connect you guys and you talk? And then next thing you know, there's a collaboration right there. And then the three of us create a collaboration that benefits the three of us. So the people being true, being genuine, um, doing your homework, be upfront, provide analytics, provide numbers that are real. And, and don't be afraid, right? Yeah, don't be afraid. Just, you know, send it in and just don't send in, look at my car. I love your tires. Please send me a sticker. I go to car shows, you know, those kind of things. It, that's just half-ass. You know, I, I'm sure that same email was sent to 12 other tire companies. Yeah, I have two takeaways from that. So that was an awesome example of a relationship that got built from a very, very detailed proposal. First thing is, if it wouldn't have worked out for the timing for what you're looking for in your portfolio at that time, my guess is you guys would have just kept that proposal around for a while because you never know when you're going to utilize it. it yeah. It could be an awesome proposal, but it's all about timing. I mean, that's correct, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, and real quick, I'll just add, you know, if, if you're firing something off to a, a major brand or company, they typically work on a on a on a 12 month plan. So Jan, Jan to December. So that means that budgets are typically set the year before in the winter. So usually the fourth yes. quarter of the year is all the budget talks. And everyone who is responsible for having a piece of budget knows how much money they have to spend and where to spend it for the next year. They usually know by the end of the year. So hitting up companies typically November, December, January are probably the best times if you're looking for something big because they're allocating all of their funds into different buckets late in the year and early in the in the existing year that you're going to be in that you're looking for the product. So that, that's, that's just something to keep in mind. The earlier you can get it in, the more likely it is that um, they have freed up, uh, you know, let's say cap space to be able to um, fit you in. And that's great information. So what Johnny is saying is if it's the middle of the July and all of a sudden you feel like you need new tires or new whatever fill in the blank for your build or for, if you're in the corporate world, and you're looking for a corporate sponsorship. Everybody works on the same or a similar budget calendar. So it may not be the right time, regardless of how good your stuff is. And also one of the things, going back to the HRE conversation, that's the only reason my proposal got looked at because they get stuff all the time. They're looking for something specific. And it was the relationship that I had with Michelin and the relationship I had with Clarion, who are also partners. And, you know, my vehicle wasn't what HRE was looking for at the time. It just didn't fit their marketing direction. And you can't take that personal. You reload, fix what you need to fix. Maybe it's just not meant to be. Maybe it's not the right fit. That is, doesn't mean it's something wrong with you. So you can't take that stuff personal. Exactly. And um, you're right. I did keep everything that came in. I kept. Um, and luckily, I had a team as well that would do initial vetting for me. They knew exactly what it was that I was looking for. They knew my goals or the team's goals. Um, and then if, if it made it past them, then I would take a look at it and then decide as well whether to move forward and, and keep checking these these people out or to just put it to the side. And um, either it's a no-go, it's an easy no, uh, or potentially later it could be something that I want to take a look at. And and Jay, that later might be a year later. And, and I had some like that where a, a, I'm like, I can't do this right now. It just doesn't fit. But, um, you know, I'm going to hang on to it and let's talk again in six months or a year. And there's two ways to take that if you're someone like me or someone on my end of the equation, they can either be like, all right, screw it. They don't want to mess with me. If they don't want to deal with me right now, then screw them. Or number two, take that time, work on what I have, maybe improve it. And then so when it does come back around, I'll be better prepared to deal with it. And even if you want to look at somebody again in six months, within that six months, there's still other proposals coming in. So you got to stay on top of your game because if you take a sports reference, I may have been ranked number two on the big board, but by the time it's marketing season again, a bunch of more proposals could have came out and I may have been knocked down. So I got to stay on top of my game. And then sometimes it just doesn't work. Yeah. And, and, you know, something else that I, I see people doing and, and it's actually a good thing and it pretty much works is stay in contact with the brand in, in some way, shape or form. And that, that can be done in a lot of ways indirectly. It doesn't mean that you have to send me an email once a month. Hey, just checking in, blah, blah, blah. You know, don't do that. But it's your birthday, man. Um, Happy birthday. Just keeping in contact. <laughs> there you go, man. There you go. Sales 101. 
Um, but even more indirectly, you know, hey, go go to Michelin's Instagram and comment on on one of their photos every now and then, and you know, say something interesting and fun because. I would monitor all of our posts, all of our comments, all of our feedback. And, you know, I, if I continuously see someone that I'm like, wow, this person is like a real fan. They're like commenting something cool and sharing a post here and there. So I'll keep an eye on that. And then when it comes time to, you know, make a decision later on down the road for something else. And yeah, I mean, it makes it easy. You know, I said a few podcasts ago, so one of the episodes is why you should care what people think about you. And one of the things that I said was on the surface, yeah. you could say that, no, I don't care what people think about me. But I think I made a pretty convincing debate why you should care, because just like we were saying earlier, someone like you was investigating the hell out of them. So you never know when somebody's listening. You never know when someone's watching. You never know. You know, you have to learn how to compose yourself on social media, stay out of the paper, stop being negative, keep yourself responsible. And you never know what kind of opportunities could open up for you now or in the future. Like I always pay attention to who watches my Instagram story. I always pay attention. Sometimes you see familiar names, you see familiar faces. Sometimes you'll do a random post on Facebook and somebody from Christmas past will just pop up and say something. You're like, wow, I didn't even know that person (laughs) still existed. It could be like your grandparents, but I try to stay out of anything overly controversial. Yeah. Isn't it interesting uh, looking to see who looks at your stories? It is. It's so interesting. I'm like, wow, these people are really interested in my lunch. And when I post something of importance, like on a static post, they're like never there. But really <laughs> follow your stories. You know, it's, it, it's funny to me. I get a kick out of it. Got to pay attention. So you have any cool stories from the road? Because I talk about travel a lot, even though this is a automotive sort of podcast. Yeah. So I was probably doing over the last three years that I was there, I was probably doing about 100,000 air miles a year. And majority of that was domestic. Uh, I would do a trip to France probably once a year and back. A couple of years, I went to the UK for Goodwood Festival of Speed. So that was another abroad trip. And it just becomes normal, you know? Like, yeah. It was almost comedy to sit back at the airport and just watch people because you can clearly point out people who don't travel versus people who do travel. Everything was just normal to me. You know, I, I, I knew how early I needed to be at certain airports. I knew what the latest was that I could get there. I I, I knew my plan was carry-on versus check-in. knew who had the best restaurants. It didn't bother me at all doing all that travel. I actually looked forward to it. Um, but I, it's like I used the time in the year to just disconnect and, and think. Right. And just be creative and, and think of ideas. And, you know, I would jot shit down in my notebook and stuff to look at later because you have the least amount of distractions when you're up there. Uh, you know, you throw on some noise canceling headphones or something and, you know, let your mind wander. Were you traveling by yourself? Because I know that that's not always the case one way or the other. <laughs> yeah. So um, I would say probably 80% of the time I was traveling by myself. Um, it, was a, it was a small percentage that I had a group. Yeah. I actually preferred traveling alone than with a group just because you have so many different personalities and how they approach travel. So that's always how it was uh, for me. I just preferred to to do it alone. So were they always putting you in like top tier hotels or are you just kind of staying where you, you know, get in where you fit in? Yeah. It's like if you stay at, you know, some of the Marriott's, they serve you food during happy hour, usually cheap wine, cheap beer, a few eats. Do you ever take advantage of that and just not feel like going out or do you pretty much go out all the time because you've been given a per diem and you may have some clients to take out? Well, one of the good things was, you know, um, <laughs> you know, the way things are in different cities, you know, I, yeah, if, if, if I went to VIR, I could probably find a hotel room for 150 bucks. But if I go to LA or San Diego, there's no way in hell I'm going to find a hotel for 150 bucks. <laughs> so it, it's really just about, you know, you know, yeah. don't do anything stupid, which is great advice for life, you know, and do the right thing. I, I did, you know, have to just like normal submit expenses to my boss and he would vet them out. And if he had any questions, he'd be like, Hey, why the fuck did you say at a $500 a night hotel? And it's like, cause I'm in Monterey for car week Absolutely. You know, kind of thing. So as, as long as you had a legitimate reason, it was fine. Um, Michelin starred restaurants. That's definitely something that I didn't partake in on my own. You know, if there was maybe an event or if we had a, a small group or, you know, we had a client or, or a partner or something that we wanted to, you know, go have dinner and wine with, you know, maybe something like that. Right. 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 But, um, being able to partake in that while with the company was 
definitely a highlight. That's that's some that's that's some next level shit right there, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen picks. <laughs> so again, we're talking to Johnny Valencia of Gear One Agency. I appreciate you talking about Michelin. It's all in the past. Let's talk about Gear One Agency and in the future. I want to have your entire ownership group on if possible, yeah. at least if not two of you, you know, if you would, please, you know, tell us about gear one agency. Yeah, for sure. So gear one uh, is a company that got started uh, late 2018. There's three partners. So myself, Amy Shackelford, and then you have Rami Arami. So um, the three of us got connected through uh, the Michelin PS4S Global Launch Event in Palm Springs. You know, that was one of the more epic events that it, that I was ever a part of uh, in the automotive world. And, you know, the approach that was taken was no traditional media, so no publications, just digital media influencers, all that kind of jazz. So I had invited these guys to the event. And um, just at the background with, with uh, you know, Amy, Amy's been running social, her own social media uh, agency for 10 plus years. Uh, she's extremely yep. connected in the luxury and exotic car world. Um, she's uh, a part of Gold Rush Rally, of yep. Exotics on Canary Road, now Exotics on Broadway, all the fuel run rallies amidst some other things. So what I really was impressed at all the things that she was working on. And then Ramin is also, um, you know, he's the owner of Gold Rush, Exotics on Broadway and Fuel Run. But he also has a very deep background in um, web development, web design. So let's just fast forward to uh, like, let's say early 2018. We were just casually talking, hey, you know, would it be cool if kind of thing? And it ended up that, you know, took the plunge, uh, you know, formally and the right way, you know, left Michelin and started this, this agency. And Jay, you know what really made it inviting to me was that I'm basically doing exactly what I was doing when I was at Michelin. So it wasn't really a difficult transition. It was just basically right. I was working in a different office. Well, I mean, doing you, the you, same trade, stuff. you trade some perceived stability though. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Of course. You know, when you're with someone for 17 years right? Uh, and you, you know, what's, you know, coming into, uh, you know, you know what the paycheck is every two weeks and you've got your benefits and, you know, everything's kind of taken care of and a travel budget and all those kind of things. Of course, absolutely. I'm not going to discredit that at all. But Gear One Agency is good. It's an automotive agency. We do event planning, event management. So if you have, you know, a show, a car show, a rally, uh, you know, like VIP hospitality strategy, those types of things, you know, that's right up a rally. You know, we do branding, whether it's digital um, or storefronts. Uh, of course, the social media management is there. We have a lot of social media clients that we manage their social media for. We talked about partnerships earlier, so that obviously continues. So, you know, influencer programs, brand ambassador programs, cross-promoting, those types of things. And then finally, overall, you know, we do web design and web development as well. So everything. That's awesome. Gear One Agency, look forward to hearing more about that. Do you have time for some quick Q&A? Let's do it. So we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll do some Q&A. All right, welcome back. We're going to jump into our new and fan favorite segment, Q&A. Johnny, I have one. This one comes from Jupiter Fish. He asks, are car meets getting boring yet? I'll let you answer that before I answer it. <laughs> okay, let me go first. Okay, um, it depends. If you're talking about going and seeing cars parked in a parking lot, Mm, maybe. Do you consider um, cars and coffee a car meet? Um, yeah, it is. And and, and he, he, here's where I okay. was getting at is I'll give you my example because I just moved to Southern California, which there's three events a weekend. And then I used to live on the East Coast where there was maybe two months. Okay. So there was a big difference. There's this pent up anxiety about wanting to see cars at a car show when I was on the East Coast. And I wanted to see those 700 cars at Cars and Coffee because I only get to see them once a month. Out here in California, I do catch myself walking around car shows. And to be honest, I'm not even looking at the cars. I'm talking to people. I'm catching up with folks. I'm going and seeing brands and people from companies. Every now and then, something will catch our eye. And we're like, oh, shit, look at this. And you know, we'll go walk around the car and check it out take a few photos. 
to me, there can be something unique with the social car, approach. Yeah. With car meets and shows that need to be more engaging. Um, that's something that we do at, at gear one is we strategize and come up and get creative on a strategy with people doing events. So um, I'll give you a quick example. So instead of doing a car show, and again, this is all based on, you know, who has the funding to be able to do stuff, but it's like, Hey, how about supercars and helicopters and speedboats parked in a parking lot? You know, that that's different. That's unique. That's a different element. It creates more of that Instagrammable moment that everyone takes a picture of the Koenigsegg underneath an Apache helicopter or something like that. Right. With the beach in the background. So, um, I think there's still uh, nothing wrong with meets and shows, but if you take a look and stand back, do some observations, you'll notice it's, which is great, because I agree, it should be about the people. It's more about the people, who they are, their stories, um, and, 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 you know, just having a good time. That's why it's tough right now. We can't do anything. And I think, and I know what you're saying, um, I'm with you. I think there's a lot of gray area in between. There's those three things. So you have the, the car meets, you have car events and you have car shows. Mm-hmm. And so for people who are coming from the outside who aren't participating, so let's just say you're a spectator to them, it's a car event and it's a car show. They're all car shows. And then you have the traditional car show. Like I've kind of gotten involved in the last six years to where I'm prepping. I have to get up early in the morning. I have to be there by a certain amount of time for roll in. If I don't bring a chair, I'm screwed. <laughs> and I'm stuck there all day till awards at four or five o'clock. And then I go home. And for me, well, I like doing car shows. It's not something I, I'm not a car show lifer. And I usually get bored within the first 45 minutes to an hour and a half of me being in a car show that I'm stuck at for the next eight hours. So usually I squat up with somebody and we'll hop in an Uber and we'll fucking leave. We'll go we'll leave. We'll go eat. So some people love that and they just sit there all day and they usually stay in their own space with their own crew, which kind of defeats the whole purpose. And then, of course, the car meets like cars and coffee. If if I don't know anybody, man, I am so bored and I just I just don't know anybody. So I have to know someone to have fun, which is kind of weird. Well, that makes sense. But then your example of, you know, exotic cars, copters and boats. To me, that's like a I mean, that's like a legit event made for spectators to come and see some wild shit that they just don't typically see every day. Yep. One thing I think for you, because, man, you've been in this industry for so long, you've seen everything. If not everything, damn near everything. You've probably sat, and I don't know if you do this, but you've probably you've sat on the hood of cars that people have never even seen or can only dream to have seen. So I think, you know, from that perspective, the fact that you're still willing to go to just some of these normal things, and because I do the same thing, and I'm not anybody, I'm just some dude, right? But I'll go to you know, Cars and Coffee, and I'll typically only go if one of my friends is going. Sure. I'm just, typically, I'm not going to go to random Cars and Coffee. And if I do, I again, even around here, I'll just walk around and, like nobody wants to talk to you unless you post it by your car. But then if it's a familiar show, I'll do the same thing. I'm walking. I'm just talking to people I know. And every once in a while, it's like, oh, that's that's kind of cool. I really I love this because it's it's not typical of something you see. Let's go to another question. This is from Ryan. Ryan submitted a question before. Uh, Ryan Anwar. hope I'm saying your name right, Ryan. Ryan with two, two Ys. So this one, car manufacturers are cramming more and more tech and driver assists in cars. You know, does this take away from the actual connection between the car and the driver? You know, or does it make the car, you know, more or less drivable? So somebody like you who has driven anything from analog to the most technical digital and anything in between, you know, what is your thought on that? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, You know, everyone has their own kind of set of parameters of what they're looking for in a certain car. you know, the majority of the population, you know, has their car. Some people have multiple cars. Um, so I, I, I think that if, if if you're looking at your your single owned ownership car, that's tough because it has to do everything, right? Um, you know, it has to be able to be point A to point B. It needs to be reliable. It needs to, you know, give you a ear to ear grin uh, when you floor it and going around corners, you know, all those kind of things. As far as all the new technology. I mean, I think it's great as long as I have the, um, I have the choice to be able to turn things off, but you know what, what it's turned into is like, here's the thing. There's a huge difference between getting behind the wheel of a new Nissan GTR and just flooring it and getting behind the wheel of a first gen Dodge Viper and flooring it. All right. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. That's one thing. is going to spin out and, and, and kill you. Yeah. And wants you to stay straight. Well, one's going to make you look like a rock star 
which is the mm-hmm. GTR, even if you're a crappy driver, the other one is, you know, going to make you look like an idiot, uh, very likely yep. because it's just going to spin out and whiplash. And, and like I said, very likely it's trying to kill you. So it is two different experiences. It's two different things. Um, uh, I, I have a little bit of both. My, uh, my M3 is extremely raw, which is, I love, that's why I love to drive it because everything's on me. Um, and then I get in the, the C63S or, or if we take a ride in the R8, you can just go, <laughs> you know, if, right. um, you know, put it in like sport or sport plus at least. And it, it's just going to go. I mean, it's like, it's very difficult to screw up, but there's that peace of mind that I get. And, and I like that. Sometimes I just don't want to have that much pressure on me while, you know, driving or playing around and sometimes i do and that's when i take the m3 out and i know that i have to be just a little bit more responsible because at any point in time you know there's nothing to save me right what do you think? and i think for me so where i'm at with this is i think the key thing in here is car manufacturers they don't design cars we're, we're talking about the 99.9th percentile of your your automotive consumer here Ideally, they want to design cars to be more safe, right? They don't want, they don't design cars to be a challenge. You know, for the very small percentage of us out there, we'd like to have a little feedback. And you had mentioned something about Sport and Sport Plus and the Audi. That's important. Like, if you're going to give me a minivan for every day, at least let me kick it into some sport mode so I feel like it's a little more. So I step on it because everybody, I don't care who you are, everybody wants to have that feeling. And everybody swears their vehicle is that vehicle, even when we all know it's not. You know, like these, you know, we have these pickup trucks going down the road and they just floor it. And you're looking at them like, okay, your car's loud. You're not doing anything. You obviously have it in sport mode or sport plus mode. Yeah. You reminded me of something when you said cars and helicopters and boats and even, you know, the GTR to the Dodge Viper. Without spending too much time on this so we can move to our next question. You made me think about these YouTubers because what you do is I know you had exotics on on Broadway and there were some YouTubers there and then you have some YouTubers with Gold Rush Holly, but not everybody. So you have this thing, right? You have this, these crazy YouTubers that everybody's rushing to see. And then you have the traditional people that have this big money and want to have some fun. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, what are your thoughts on the guy on YouTube? Who's 17, just got his license and now he's driving a brand new, you know, $750,000 car. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Great it's question. not driving the car, but it's just doing crazy shit with the car, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's good. Um, you know, in the beginning, and I want to say maybe like four years ago, I really had a, a challenge and a struggle in understanding what these people were doing and why they were doing it and why anybody cared. You know, what has happened with with automotive that I've come to conclusion and I accept now is that, you know, you have, to me, you have two styles. Okay. You have uh, a style that is more of sharing and education, Yeah, which is yeah. great. To be honest, the only time I watch YouTube is when I'm trying to learn how to do something that I don't know. Yep. How to do. So yeah. So if I can't change the fuel filter on the Miata, or if I don't know how to take the rear rotors off, then I'll go to YouTube and look for a video on it. So you have some channels and some people who are doing a really kick-ass job of being authentic, true on what they're doing. And they're getting great partnerships and uh, they're getting with, with huge global companies. And it's awesome. And then you have this other group that's really all about entertainment, mm-hmm. right? So the way, here's how I finally, and you, you know what? You know when I thought about this? On a freaking plane. Remember I thought right. like yeah. a yep. certain thing? <laughs> I'm playing so, video um, games and shit and you're I, actually working on life. <laughs> so I started thinking, I'm like, all right. YouTube wants to be the new TV, blah, blah, blah. Eventually TV will go away or it'll just be streamed from YouTube to TVs. That's where we're at. So when I was young and when you were young, you know, we had automotive TV shows like Knight Rider and BJ and the Bear. And, you know, there's, you know, movies and stuff like Starsky and Hutch. And I don't know what the I mean, fuck BJ and the Bear is, by the way. <laughs> what, but what I other? do know Knight Rider. Well, what, yeah, Knight Rider, that kind of stuff. So the thing is that, uh, I look at that and I was like, okay, when I was a young kid, I loved that shit and I loved following it, but I also knew that it was fake. I knew that it wasn't real. I knew that cars didn't talk to me. I knew that cars couldn't jump a dirt ramp and land and be okay and all that kind of stuff. It's just entertainment, right? So I started saying, what's the difference between that. the TV shows that we have right. and that? Here is here, here's the void. Here's the gap. Here's where 
I think there's a problem is I think the people who watch that think it's real and they will defend the ground that these people walk on if someone says anything uh, against, you know, their TV star or whatever, um, knowing that it's all just a hoax, it's all just for views, it's all just for clicks, clickbait, all that stuff. And you know what? Good for them because YouTube is an avenue and a channel that can make you money based off of views and clicks and all that BS. So good for them. But the fact that just people haven't quite understood that everything on that channel is not real life. Yeah. Yeah, that's I, I was kind of curious what you thought about that. I mean, for me, it's I mean, I can go into a long dissertation about it. Um, I won't. But I think when I see a lot of these people who don't probably know anything about cars, buying up as many cars as they can with their YouTube money. Number one, are you saving that for anything? Because when I'm that age, because a lot of these guys are younger. When I was that age, I didn't think about worrying about saving about anything because all I knew is the checks were going to keep coming. Yeah. Although we know as adults that they're not. <laughs> um, and number two, it's almost like. And this is kind of one of those bullshit things. You know, it's like those those unwritten codes of baseball, which everybody knows is complete bullshit. Except for the Astros. I think, except for the Astros, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and the Red Sox, I think, too, right? <laughs> but um, it's like the sanctity of something. Like, how dare you? Like, I've worked my whole life and I have this car. Like, how dare you take this car and you do all this crazy shit to it and you do 700 donuts to it and you, show, you ghost ride it off a cliff because you have the money to buy another one, you know? So I think... And I don't know if anyone's actually done that, but I wouldn't <laughs> doubt it. I mean, seriously, I wouldn't doubt it, right? Um, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of crazy ones out there. And you're right. It's like, just, you know what? It's fine. Just admit that it's BS. I mean, they're all starving yeah. for content. And that's why whenever there's like drama going on, it's all just, is it fake? Is it, is it just, are, are people being dramatic and doing stupid shit just so that because their likes were down or their viewership was down? So it's just drama and childish and ridiculous. And, and, and again, it's fine because those fictional TV shows were childish and ridiculous, but we all love them. So, yeah. I mean, and I mean, it's like the money motivates more, right? So you're they're yep. making all this money. So it motivates them to just be it's continuously is ridiculous. Let's move to the non-car questions. Good. See what we have here. Here's a, here's a really quick and nice and simple one. This comes from rat or die which is my friend Mimi. And she was actually, she was on the prior show. Where we talked about COVID cool. um, and she's been on another one, but this is real simple. You got to think back to your childhood. So you're almost there because we were just talking about, you know, Knight Rider and shit. Mm -hmm. When you were really little, what was your favorite cartoon? Ooh. So when I was like really, really little, I liked uh, Smurfs. Smurfs. Yeah. Like snorkels, snorks and the Smurfs and shit. Snorkel. But then I started, uh, I was like big time into He-Man as well. So Masters of the Universe. I hated He-Man. What? You know, you know why? Hated? Because I'm like, how the hell did they not tell the difference between this dude and these pink or purple tights and this Bob haircut, this chili bowl haircut and a ridiculous shirt? He takes his shirt off. He doesn't even have glasses. At least Clark Kennett glasses, right? This guy rips his shirt <laughs> off. His cat, who just happens to be the same color as his tiger, probably the only ones in the entire universe. And then he can like barely pick up a mountain, but then he can sling it across the galaxy. To me, I just thought that was bullshit. So yeah, I hated Masters of the Universe. I, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. I can see that. <laughs> you don't think about I, that I, as a kid, but I didn't think I about did. that until just now. I don't know why. Now you're like, damn it. Um, when I was really, really, really little, I mean, we all started off with the Smurfs, right? But yeah, I'm, if you're going to say He-Man, then I can hit cartoons from the same era. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say two because they always went together and people are expecting me to say Robotech, but I'm going to say G.I. Joe and Transformers. Yeah. Transformers was a close second. I, I collected a lot of the Transformers yeah. and played around with that and, um, and, and had a good time with Transformers. And, but yeah, G.I. Joe, I just never got into it. I don't know why. I had a lot of friends who loved G.I. Joe. I just never got into it. Yeah. It's a terrible show too, actually. Um, and then <laughs> when do you think car meets will start back up? Man, great question. Um, we've been sitting around thinking about that a lot. The thing is, uh, we're organizers of a lot of the, I guess, bigger ones. Like, you know, you're saying the more events. Um, the last couple of... The, before you continue, I just thought I'd go ahead and let... And this one comes from Shrink Pink. Shrink Pink, this belongs in the car questions. <laughs> Not the fucking non-car questions, but since Johnny's already started answering it... Put it... I apologize for interrupting you. May, you may put it in the right bucket. Okay. So, um, yeah, what, what, what we've been doing over the last 
probably four weeks with uh, everything going on is uh, taking a look at events when they're scheduled, what type of events they are, car meets, shows, uh, and then working with organizers on do we need to cancel them? Do we need to postpone them? When do we postpone them to? How do we manage people who have already paid, sponsors, vendors, all that jazz? So great times right now. But um, I'm thinking that Here's what I'm thinking. I can't tell you when it's going to start back up. Uh, I'm sure the powers that be will let us know when it's okay to go back out and you know be a normal society. Yeah. But what I'm what I'm both happy and concerned for is that man, not just car events. I mean, is McDonald's going to have to start taking reservations? I mean, people are going to go out and just want to go do something and spend money and everything that we've taken for granted, like car shows and meets, I just see them being extremely packed, extremely successful. And then they're all going to leave and go to a restaurant that they're going to have to wait four hours to get into because everybody else is out doing the same thing. It, it's, it's just going to be, it's going to be a weird time. You think it's weird now. I just, I just think that it's going to be extra weird uh, once we get the green light to be able to go out and do stuff again. Yeah. I think the longer we are cooped up like this, the closer to what you just mentioned is the reality. And I didn't really think about that. Cause you see all these memes or, or these funny, you know, gifs that people upload and they're like, this is going to be me when they finally let us go. Yeah. But you're right. Like people are going to be storming to do stuff and everyone's going to want to hang out together again. Like, Oh, where you been? Never mind. You know, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Which is good. Social media, right? Mm-hmm. Social media. Yeah, it is. It is good. It's social media in our, in our smartphones have taken people away from face to face interaction. Right. Yep. And now that's all we have and people can't wait to get back out. Yeah, uh, let me tell you real quick something that um, actually Amy and I thought of yesterday and we started implementing and uh, we're going to do another one here shortly later today is, you know, it's been fun. It's been fun seeing how people are coming up with creative ways to get away or to go around not being able to go to car shows. So, you know, I've seen virtual car shows. Hey, be a part of a virtual car show. We did one last weekend. Yeah, super cool. Great idea. And then you have all these challenges. You know, I did a Side shot challenge, front shot challenge, booty challenge. I did a cold start challenge. Uh, Which, hold on, hold on, hold on. By the way, fuck all you people that I tag in that shit. You ain't got nothing else to do and you refuse <laughs> to do it. Like, let go of your, I'm not going to do it. It's going to mess up my statistics. Like, nobody cares about your Instagram story right now. It gives people something to look at. Fuck you. All right, continue. Sorry. <laughs> so, you know, I've been a part of all those. And then we were sitting here thinking, of course, you know, bored out of our minds. And I was like, hey, you know what would be kind of cool is to see if people will actually do um, a review of their own cars. So I'm talking a very informal, not professional cell phone video of either yourself or you just filming the car and go out to your garage, go out to your driveway and just walk around your car and tell us about it. Everybody's car has a story. Everybody's car has a story, whether it's why you have it, how you got it, where you got it from, how much you paid, how much you spent for it, all the mods you've done what you're planning on doing with it, you know, whatever. Everybody has a little bit of story to tell. And like I mentioned earlier about how Southern California has so many car events, I see the same cars, dude, at shows all the time. And the one thing that I noticed is I don't know a lot about them, you know, because you don't always see the people uh, because not everyone puts a chair next to their car. Everybody's walking around. So what's cool to me is that if more people get online right now and start doing review your own car and I put a hashtag review YOC and people can start seeing videos and learning about people's cars. Um, and you know, hopefully it's another one of those fun ones that people love and jump on and, and, and just go do it simple, you know, just walk around a car for a minute or two or three or whatever and, and post it done. If people have to get up off the sofa, man, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> That's kind of what we did. When I say we, it's really rat or die. But I mentioned earlier, like this last Saturday, she did a virtual car show. And that's really, really what it was. Everyone posts up in your garage, have a drink, and then join her live feed. Uh-huh. And then everybody who's watching, it's like, hey, I'm so-and-so. This is my car. And they go through and they talk about their mods and all that kind of stuff. Almost basically what you just said, but from a from an Instagram live perspective. Gotcha, um, gotcha. But, yeah. We yeah. threw it um we threw it on Instagram TV and then it's on my Facebook post and uh, Amy posted nice. it on hers. So I did the I did the the E36 M3 yesterday. Um, we're gonna go do her Miata in a little bit 
as well. And uh, with that, that leaves, we, we have our 2019 Corolla hatchback, the R8, and the C63 SAMG that we'll do, you know, in the next few days or in the next week or something. Um, yeah, it's fun. Number one, gets you doing something different. You're getting creative and you're, you're sharing what you obviously love, which is your car, uh, with everyone else. That's awesome. Uh, I appreciate you, Johnny, for spending time with us. So if you guys want to get a hold of him, you can follow him at Southern Germination on Instagram. You can follow, is it Gear One? It's Gear One Agency, all one word. Mm-hmm. What else do you want to let them know about how they can get a hold of you? You know, you can shoot me a message uh, through my Facebook account as well. It's Johnny Valencia. Um, you'll find that on Facebook, as Jay mentioned, Southern Germination or through Gear One Agency uh, through our channels as well. And feel free to, to hit me up with anything. You know, one of the things that I love is talking to people and understanding who they are and seeing, um, you know, what their, their visions are and what they're doing, uh, or, you know, make sure to come by and say, what's up at the next show, whenever that is. Thanks, Johnny. Appreciate it, man. Have a good one. I want to thank Johnny Valencia for joining us from Gear One Agency. Look forward to talking to him again in the future. Hopefully you guys learned some really good stuff about the sponsorships on the business side of the deal. Remember, it's a exchange. It's a relationship. Don't just reach out there and expect somebody to give you something just because you want it. You have to reach for it. You have to earn it. I want to thank our sponsor, Talk Mobile Net. I want to thank Anchor for at least hosting us. I want to thank NSX Channel. We don't have a builder segment this week. And it'll probably be a while before we have another Jay's Rental Car of the Week, depending on what happens with this whole COVID thing. It's a scary time. If you like what you hear, tell a friend, please. I can't grow unless you tell people that I'm out there. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Radio Public, Hard Parking Pod on Twitter. Email me, hardparkingpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me at NA2NSX on Instagram or J underscore travels. That's J-H-A-E underscore travels. Let's do this. Let's grow this thing together. Stay safe. Stay contained. Stay away from crowds. Just wanted to thank my sponsors one more time. TalkMobileNet.com, NSX Channel, Dress Up Bolts, Last Era Brand, Higher Quality Detail.